What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Contact Podcast. This is episode number eight. If this is the first time that you're ever listening, thank you for listening, and hopefully it's an encouragement to you today. I wanted to speak a little bit on the same topic that I did last week in terms of leadership, because I feel like this is such a deep topic, and it, and it deserves plenty of time to kind of unpack what it means to be a leader. And so I just wanted to continue that today. We're in this series, Biblical Man, but I believe a lot of this stuff, when you talk about leadership, applies to both men and women, because they're, like I've said before, there's just such a lack of leaders in today's age. We need to, as men and women, Christian um, believers in Christ, to rise up and to be the example to others. And one thing that I thought was funny is last week I spoke about how in my own spiritual journey, a lot of times that I'll pray and the Lord will speak back to me through his word. And that's just something that I'm extremely thankful for. And it's something that I had a crazy example of that this week. You know, I spoke last time about how I felt in 2020, more people were waking up to the things that are happening now and more people are trying to do more to help further the kingdom of God. And just over the last week, I've discovered several different podcasts that have only just begun. You know, they're they're in their first couple episodes. And the theme of a lot of them said that the inspiration to start a podcast began in 2020. So like I said in the last episode, I'm not thankful for the things that happened in 2020. They were not good. And we're still seeing the ramifications of that now, obviously, in the world around us. But I think it's good that it made a lot of people slow down and kind of realize what was more important and how the time for us as Christian leaders to rise is right now. And so, like I said, I have a crazy example of that because I I literally just spoke about that the last episode. And then I've been going through the book of Romans and I have a perfect example of Jesus speaking to me in Romans. So if you look in Romans 13, 11, it says, Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Verse 12, it says, The night is far gone, the day is at hand, so then let us cast off the works of darkness. That's one thing I spoke about last time, is there's there's bondage and darkness. That's where Satan tries to attack us, is in the dark. That's where he uses our past mistakes and things that he knows that can lure us down a road we don't need to go to. That's where he gets us is in the dark. So it says, then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Because like I said before, there's freedom in light. There's freedom in the sun. S-O-N, not S-U-N. There's freedom in the sun. So it says, put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Now is the time for us as Christians to step forward. So if you have your Bible with you and you're following along, like I said, that was Romans 13, 11. If you go to the chapter right before that, chapter 12, verse 5, it says, So we, though many are in one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So like I said, now is the time for us to use the the gifts that God has given us in terms of today I'm talking about leadership, but each of us have our own individual gifts. And that's kind of what I wanted to get into today to see that 
while there were great people in the Bible in terms of leaders, like the examples that I wanted to set up, like I said, I wanted to look at Peter and Paul. One thing I wanted to kind of speak on a little bit today is that these guys were not perfect. And I think that gives us encouragement because if you look at the example set by Jesus, obviously he was the perfect example of a leader, but it's it's hard to relate to Jesus personally, but because he never changes. The Bible tells us Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So we know that we are supposed to model our life after him, but at the same time, it could be kind of daunting because you're like, you know, he while he was on earth, he never sinned. He was perfect. So where does that where does that leave us? Because we know we can never be perfect. So that's why I kind of wanted to look at Peter and Paul because we can look at the examples that they um, set before us as good Christian leaders, but also to show that they made mistakes also. So, um, like I said, prayer. Like I spoke about it a little bit in the last episode. Prayer is key to becoming a leader. If we are made in the image of God, we need to know the God whom we're made after. And the only way that we can do that is through communication with Him. We need to make that a high priority in our life, constantly working toward a better relationship with God. I kind of look at it in terms of like me with my wife. You know, if I went two or three days without saying anything to my wife, obviously she's going to think something's wrong. Even if I'm not mad at her, she's not mad at me. I'm just, quote unquote, not thinking to speak to her after a day or two. Well, with my wife, it wouldn't even be a day or two. It'd be a couple hours. She she would say, you know, what's going on? You know, we need to be in an intimate relationship with Christ just like that to where it's something that if you haven't spoken to him for a while, you're in your heart saying, hey, what's going on? What am I doing? You know what I mean? We need to be as close to God as we possibly can. So we're kind of going to kind of jump around a little bit. We're going to be in Romans and Acts. And to kind of give you an example of what I'm speaking about when we talk about our prayer life with Christ, um, Paul talks about that a little bit here in Romans. Romans chapter 7, verse 16 through 18, it says, Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that's in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. So really this whole chapter, it talks about um, basically the closer you are to God, the more sensitive you're going to be to sin. And that's the goal. You want to be so close to God that when you fail, when you do something wrong... You feel that prick from the Holy Spirit instantly. We saw that in the life of David a lot of times where as soon as he would do something wrong, it wasn't very long after that that he was repenting, right? Because that shows you a man after God's own heart. He was someone that was so close to Christ that as soon as he did something wrong, he was automatically repenting. And that's that's the goal for us today. We need to try to strive for perfection you know, we need to try to get as close as we can to God. You know, we're never going to be sinless, you know, with this fallen flesh, but we can strive toward it. You know, Paul talks uh, later um, in, in 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8, he talks about he has fought the good fight. You know, it's a, it's a very popular verse, but it says, I have fought the good fight, finished the race, I have kept the faith, right? In verse 8, it says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me, reward me. I'm sorry. So 
in doing these things, I believe God will use us as a leader if we're fighting that good fight that Paul spoke of, mirroring God in our life to the best of our abilities. Others will take notes of these things, and they'll, they'll follow your lead. That's just how God works. God uses regular, ordinary people for His glory. That That's what He loves to do. I mean, if you look at the, the people that He chose to follow Him, and that's one thing about it, too, and my pastor talked about that this morning, is... The way that Jesus was a leader in such a way that all he had to say to these men were two words, and they're throwing down their their nets in the case of Peter, Andrew, James, and John. These guys are just throwing down their nets and following him instantly because he demands that that respect from him. You just the leadership abilities that he had, you can tell it was something special just because all he has to do. All he did was say, follow me. And they immediately threw down their nets and followed him. You, the same thing with Matthew. When he walked by the tax collector's booth, all he said was, follow me. And immediately, you know, Matthew had a good life. He was he was wealthy. Obviously, he wasn't very liked because he was taking money away from his own people and giving it to, you know, their, their enemy. But he had a good life in terms of wealth. And for Jesus just to walk by and just say, follow me, and immediately him just throw all that away to follow Jesus, that shows you what kind of leader that he was. So um, if uh, let's go. We're, we're still in Romans. If you go to Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8, it says, uh, kind of what we spoke about a little bit earlier, but it says, um, for as one and body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are in one body in Christ and individual members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If proper, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in teaching, the one who exhorts in exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now, I know I read that verse earlier, but I, I felt, like that, felt like that was important to read that those three or four verses there because I really want to stress that we have all been giving gifts from God and he expects us to use those gifts to the best of our ability. So talking about being sensitive to our sin, like I mentioned before, wanting to be so close to God that you have that prick, that pricking from the Holy Spirit inside you when you've done something wrong. I want to look at the an, an example of Peter um, and we're going to go to Luke Luke chapter 22, verse 50, uh, 54. And it, it says, um, Luke twenty two fifty four says, Then they seized him, him being Jesus, and led him away, bringing him unto the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, this man, she said, this man also was with him, but he denied it, saying, woman, I do not know him. So I'm not going to read the rest of that passage. There's there's several more verses there, but basically, if you've read through the book of Luke before, or if you just know this story before, you know what happens. This is where Peter denies Jesus three times. Okay, so we talk about Peter being a great leader. He denied Jesus three times. I think that's very significant because if you look in Matthew 16, 13, it says, um, 
Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, and I have something that was pretty interesting talking about that here in a second. He asked his disciples, who do the people say that I am? And they say, some people say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, some say Jeremiah. And he said to them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter chimes in, and this is the first time that in the Gospels it's recorded that Jesus calls Simon Peter, Peter. It says here in verse 16, Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's insane that, which I'm not, I don't know, I'm not going to act like I know, I don't know the time frame here, how many years in between this was, but that just further proves my point that it's amazing that he can say this here in Matthew, that he is the Christ, and then when it comes time to stand up and say, yes, you know, I did follow Christ. You know, I, w- I was the one that was following him. Um, he denies it. You know, he's so he's so confident here in saying, you are the Christ, son of the living God. And we look here, it says, and Jesus says, uh, Jesus answers him and says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. Like I said, this is the first mention of Simon's name being Peter, uh, Jesus uh, giving him that name. And and Peter, the name Peter in, uh, in Greek means rock, Petros. Petros means rock. So it says, uh, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So like I said, I had kind of a little interesting story here about Caesarea Philippi. So like I said, Peter means rock in Greek, uh, P, I'm sorry, Petros means rock in Greek. And so he gave him the name Rock because of because he was a leader, because he was, um, like I said in the last episode, Peter was the, the leader of the disciples in terms of he was the one that was asking the most questions. He was the one that was trying to be closest. He was in the innermost circle of Jesus during Jesus' time on earth. So, like I said, in Caesarea Philippi, all these different regions had their own gods. You know, we all know that. And so, Caesarea Philippi, the god was the, the Greek god Pan, P-A-N. And he was the god of um, wildness. He was the god of shepherds, um, sheep, flocks, things like that. And so, in Caesarea Philippi, there is this place called the Cave of Pan. And so, the Cave of Pan was inside, there was a well... And the people of that region believed that this was a bottomless pit, so they would come offer their sacrifices to Pan, and the the um, they would throw their sacrifices and whatnot down the well. And the people believed that this was a bottomless pit, but they also believed that if you ever reached the bottom of this bottomless pit, that that was the gates of hell. So I think that it's very interesting to see that it says there in verse 13, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked them, Who do you say that I am? So he's basically asking them this in the region that believes in this false god, Pan, and, and they have this cave of Pan. So it's very interesting as you kind of go through these verses how he talks about, um, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, or Hades, shall not prevail prevail, excuse me, against it. So he's saying right there, 
Peter, you acknowledging that I am the Christ, I am going to, as we see in Acts, he starts the, obviously the first church, right? Peter is one of the, the main players as far as the early church goes. So we see Jesus saying right there in Caesarea Philippi with a cave of Pan where they believe the gates of Hades are at the bottom of this bottomless pit. He's saying, on this rock, I will build my church. And these gates, it's, it's crazy to even imagine. Um, I, and when I first heard this, this story of this cave of Pan, the first thing I thought of is I wonder if Jesus was standing outside the cave with his disciples and kind of pointing at it and saying, the gates of hell are not going to prevail against my church. We are going to crush the serpent's head, right? So that's it's just something very interesting to think about. Um, but what we can glean from that also is you could see that even though um, Peter later on denied Jesus, you could see before that the confidence that Jesus had in him in terms of his leadership saying that I'm going to plant my church basically through you, you know what I mean? He's going to, he's going to, I'm going to use you, Peter, in such a way that the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. You're going to be one of the ones that are the, um, the uh, initial church planners, right? The initial church planters. You're still going to make mistakes. And that is something that I believe it's very encouraging for us today that you can look at these great heroes of the Bible and they had these great moments, but they also had um, just very sad lows. And when when I spoke about how the Holy Spirit, we want to be so close that it pricks our, our spirit. If you look back there in Luke, uh, right after he denies Jesus, um, let me flip back over there. It's Luke 22, I believe. Uh, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 22. If you look at 22, uh, verse 62, right after Jesus was denied three times by Peter, it says in verse 62 that Peter went out and wept bitterly. So you could see that the Holy Spirit was dealing with him right away. You know, he knew right away that he had sinned when that rooster crowed after he denied Jesus three times. But the thing about it was the Holy Spirit pricked his heart, I guess you could say, which we know that... Um, Jesus said he was going to send a comforter and that was going to be the Holy Spirit. But but for him to immediately realize that, oh no, I, I let Jesus down, he immediately, it says right here, he went out and wept bitterly. Because he realized what he had done and, and by denying Jesus like that, I wonder if he said in his heart, I'm never going to do anything like that again. You know, Um so I think that one thing that we could take from this is there's hope from this because despite making major mistakes, he was not excluded from the story. On the contrary, in fact, if you look in chapter 24, verse 12, after the resurrection, uh, Mary Magdalene goes to uh, the tomb and she sees no one is there and the angels, you know, say, you know, why are you, why are you here? No, you know, he's not here. Um, uh, for lack of time, I'm not going to read all of that. But if you look in verse number 12, it says, But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home, marveling at what had happened. When Mary Magdalene came to the disciples to tell them what had happened, um, he was the only one that ran down there and, and that believed her. 
So you see right there, despite him denying that he knew Jesus, he wept bitterly, he repented for his sin, and he was the only one that ran to see if this is true, what Mary Magdalene had told them. So, like I said, Peter is used, despite making mistakes, which we are all going to make, Peter was used in a big, big way for the furthering of God's kingdom. And that, I think that's very inspiring for us as Christians and, and for us as leaders to know that even though we have mistakes, we all make mistakes because of the sin nature, we can still play a major role in the betterment of God's kingdom. Just like Peter and just like Paul, we're going to look at a couple more examples. So let's look over in Acts. The first one I want to look at is Acts chapter 1, verse 15. In chapter 1, verse 15, it says, In those days Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of the persons was about 120. And he said, Brothers, the scripture has been fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted to share in his ministry. So this is, you know, I'm not sure how many days was in between him denying Jesus and him speaking this to his to the other disciples. But you see, it wasn't the end. That wasn't the end of his story. You know, um, also chapter two. Verse 14. Uh, we're just kind of going to jump around Acts a little bit right now. 2 verse 14, it says, But Peter, standing in the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. This is right after um, This is right after the, the men, uh, ha, the, the God has sent the Comforter, the Holy Spirit to them. So this is Pentecost right here um, to give you a little context about this verse. But we could see so many examples in Acts, these first couple chapters. If you look at 2 verse 38, it says, uh, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of your sins, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so let's look at Acts 3 verse 4. Peter says, uh, and it says, And Peter directed his gaze at him as to John and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something. That's the story of the lame beggar where Peter and John were going to pray, and you have this lame beggar sitting there. Um, I'm just going to kind of jump around Acts a little bit um, because I feel like it's very important to, for us to understand. Um, I, I might be repeating myself a little bit, but I think it's it's very important for us to know we are going to fail. We are we are human beings. We're not perfect. So, like I've said, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. We're not perfect, but Christ can use our imperfections, you know, to to kind of get our attention and to also make us realize how much that we need Him. So, if you look there in in uh, uh, Acts three verse four, Peter says, "Look at me." Because through Christ, I'm about to lift you up. You know what I mean? So I think that it's very encouraging for us to know that despite having made mistakes, we could still be used in a big way for Christ. If you look at Acts chapter 4, verse 13 and 14, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, so how are you going to deny Jesus one day? And then you look here at Acts chapter 4, you see the boldness of Peter. He learned from his mistake. Also, 
if you if you read the rest of this verse, it talks about um, they perceived that they were uneducated common men, and they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. That's the key right there. We are going to make mistakes, but we need to learn from those mistakes and move on, and knowing that our story is not over just because you make a mistake. Jesus can use those mistakes in our life for his glory. Um, I think that's that's enough of that. That's enough examples of showing how Peter was used really just right after denying Jesus. Um, but I think one thing that's important is a couple characteristics of a leader. Okay, so we're going to kind of break that, break that down a little bit, what the characteristics of a leader are. So a leader holds people accountable. They hold the people accountable around them. They're not judgmental. They're not talking down to people, but they hold them accountable. If you look at Acts 5.9, we see an example of that with, you guessed it, Peter. It says, But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? This is the story of Ananias and Sapphira, where basically they sold this property and they were saying, We are giving all of the money that we earned from selling this this property, we're giving all of it to you. But actually that wasn't true. They were holding some back for themselves. And they were trying to make themselves look good because they're saying, look, we've given you all the money when in all actuality they held some back for themselves. Okay? So Peter holding them accountable saying, how is it that you have agreed to do something like this? A leader holds people accountable. Um, Acts chapter 10 verse 34 it says, um, let's see, let's see, let's see. 10 verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. A leader knows the truth and he speaks the truth with boldness. Like we read there in, in Acts chapter 4 where it talks about Peter speaking with boldness. A leader knows the truth, and all who hear it and receive the Holy Spirit, it starts a work inside of them. If you look at verse 44, it says, While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. So a leader speaks the truth with boldness, and the people around them... We, Dallas Jenkins, who is the creator of The Chosen, I talked about The Chosen in the last episode. Um, like I said, if you've not if you've not um, watched The Chosen, I strongly encourage you to do it. It's it's a very, very good show. He talks about how it's not our job to do the miracle. It's only our job to provide to provide the the loaves and the fishes, which is the story of, of the Sermon on the Mount where the boy brings the five loaves and two fishes. It's our job just to make sure that we are doing the best that we can to provide those loaves and fishes being a example of our talents, making sure that our talents, we are offering them up to Christ. And then it's up to him what he wants to do with it after that. All we know is we need to offer that up wholeheartedly, humbly, and just let him use it, saying, I'm doing the best that I can, Lord. It's up to you now. It's in your hands. Just like Peter did here, um, while he was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. Peter was doing his job and preaching the word boldly, and then that's where the Holy Spirit took over. So we see um, in Acts chapter 11, another characteristic is being self-aware. And this is something that we must that we must know nothing that we do apart from God is worth anything. 
I think it's very, self-awareness is very important because God, God uses the common man to, to make major shifts happen. He used Peter, a fisherman, to start the early church. He can use you out there today. He can use me. He can use any of us if we are willing to submit to him. But we have to be self-aware of this stuff. If you look in Acts chapter 11, verses 1, it says, um, Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision, circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began explaining to them, uh, to them in order, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. Now I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read that whole chapter for lack of time, but let's skip on to verse 17 and 18. Verse 17 says, "If then God gave the uh, God gave the same gift to them as to He gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that could stand in God's way?" And when they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, "Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life." Basically, what's going on here? If you've not read this this portion of Acts before, um. Peter has a dream. He's in a trance, like he said. And basically, in the dream, um, he hears God speaking to him, saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And it's talking about um, birds of the air and reptiles and so on. And and Peter basically says, No, I have never eaten anything that's unclean. And God says back to him, What God has made clean, do not call common. So, Right after this, this is where you know he was in that trance, and then right after, Peter goes and meets Cornelius, who is a he is a, um, a centurion, but he is a believer in Christ. And so, basically, what happens here is Peter is invited to this man's home. He speaks the truth boldly, and that's that's the verses. I probably should explain that beforehand, but it's all good. God works everything out for for um, for His glory, right? So that where where I read the verse there in, in verse ten. Uh, chapter 10, verse 44, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on them. This was in uh, this this centurion, Cornelius's home. He's invited into his home, and Peter speaks the truth to them, and these guys are Gentiles. And so basically in the next chapter, it's saying, you know, these Jews find out what Peter has done, and they're like, what are you doing going in, in, into these people's home and speaking with people that are not Jews? Because basically this is against what they believe, Right. And so Peter is saying back to them, who am I to get in God's way? If this is something that God is wanting me to do, if this is God's plan, then how can I stand in the way? That is what a leader does. He does what the Lord tells him to do, what the Lord places on his heart. And whenever somebody comes and opposes him, he say, he, that's what he takes it back to. He says, hey, don't blame me, blame God. He's the one that asked me to do this. I am doing what God has asked me to do. And so if we look in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 5, Peter himself, he basically just lays out to us what me what being a leader is. It's being a shepherd to the flock. A sh- uh, excuse me, a shepherd to the flock of God. So just as a shepherd, um, we are to to try to um what's the right way to say this? 
I, I guess the best way I can say it is just shepherd those around us. So if you, and like I said, I'm not, for lack of time, I'm not going to read through the whole chapter, but if you want to read that on your own, I believe that's a great example of leadership. He's, I'll just read a couple verses. He talks about in, in verse 2, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shame, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So like I said, if you want to read that whole chapter another time, but that is just a perfect example. And I know I'm speaking a little bit fast today, but I don't I don't want to. There's a lot that I want to say in very short time in which to say it. You know, I know with as busy as people are today, the last thing they want to do is is sit and listen to a, you know, 40, 45 minute podcast. So I'm trying to get all this stuff in as quickly as I possibly can. So I'm speaking a little bit faster today than I would <laughs> normally, but um I encourage you to read that whole chapter because I, I believe that Peter is just giving us the outline of what it means to be a leader right there. And then if you flip over to the next book in Second Peter um, chapter 1, verses 4 through 15, he says, "...by which he has granted to all his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of the sinful desire." For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For all these qualities are, are yours and are increasing. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sin. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in the way, there will be rich provider for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 12. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them are established in truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder since I know that putting off my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. So basically, I know that was a lot right there, but basically what Peter is saying is, I'm setting the example right now. This is what you need to do also. You need to set an example for others. And he's saying, I'm, I'm basically, I'm leaving you with something to, to recall. I'm leaving you a template of how we need to live as Christians, right? That is what a leader does. He points people towards Christ. A leader is willing to step forward when everyone else around him is too afraid. And I think this was really, when we're talking about Peter, this is my favorite passage of the Bible. It's Matthew 14, um, verse 22 to 32. I'm not going to read the whole, all 10 verses, like I said, for lack of time, but this is the story of Jesus walking on the water. So Jesus, this is right after uh, Jesus feeds the 5,000. He sends them across and he says, you know, I'll meet you, basically. And so these guys are sailing across the sea and in verse number, let's pick it up. This is Matthew 14. Let's pick it up here in, in verse number 26. It says, but when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. 
So all these guys are, are, are terrified, thinking, you know, obviously, as anybody would be, if you see somebody walking across the water. So they say it's a ghost. They cried out in fear. But in verse number 27, it says, But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. In verse number 28, and this is, this is my verse 28 and 29, these are my favorite verses. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is, command me to come to you on the water. In verse number 29, he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. While everybody else is terrified, Peter just says, if it's you, if it really is you, Lord, tell me to come out on the water. And the thing that, the reason that this really spoke to me and that it it's my favorite passage and I think it's just so, so beautiful because Jesus doesn't say, you know, like I, I spoke last week a little bit about, Jesus didn't tell Matthew go fix these specific sins in your life and then come back and catch up to us and then maybe you can follow us after you fix these things. No, he simply said, follow me. He does the same thing to Peter right here. He doesn't say, you know, Peter, hey, you're just a normal guy. Don't try to act bigger than, than what you are. Don't try to act like you can walk on water like me. He doesn't say anything like that to Peter. He simply says, come. That's what he's telling us today. And you talk about leadership. Jesus putting that confidence, that affirmation in him to say, you know what, through you, Peter, I'm going to put, uh, show an example to these guys that you have such faith. You know, I think a lot of people make fun of Peter because it says if you look down um, a couple verses there where Peter got scared and he started to sink and Jesus said, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? I think we have a tendency to kind of make fun of Peter because you say, Oh, well, he, yeah, he might have stepped out there, but he he got scared. He, he lost faith in God and he started to sink. But I just look at it as the other way around. Like this guy had enough courage and belief in God to at least step out of the boat and to know that Jesus is going to take care of me. You know what I mean? And so I think that's very encouraging for us as Christians today because because Jesus is saying the same thing to us today while those around us are scared and terrified like the disciples saying it is a ghost. Jesus wants us to have enough faith to say, Jesus, call me out on the water. Because when we do that, he's going to say, come. And just as Peter set the example to the other disciples where he's saying, look, Jesus is telling me to come out there on the water. I'm going to walk out there. Guys, watch this. You know, it doesn't say that in the text. I'm just... Uh, that's just how I feel. Like he's setting the example. He is being a leader by while these other guys are terrified. He's willing to at least get out of the boat and walk on the water to Jesus, which is just, it's just unbelievable to think about. And it's just, it's so humbling for us to know that we have a savior that has that kind of confidence in us that believes that a simple man like Peter, who is a fisherman can walk on the water with him. I know I'm spending a little bit more time on that, but I believe that's something that's important for us to understand, and we don't need to just blow by specific lessons that we can learn through the life of these men. So, um, lastly, the last example I want to talk about is is I want to talk about um, Paul. And so if we look in Romans, um, let's see here, Romans 15... It says in, in 15 verse 1, this is, and this is Paul that wrote the book of Romans. He says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves, 
Let each of us please his neighbor for his good and to build him up. So like I said before, being a leader is about lifting others up. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up, he says. Tony Evans talks about this. He says, um, he, he puts it as, Patience for others should flow from our understanding of how patient Jesus has been toward us. I mean, Jesus lifted Peter out of the water, right? And he said, why did you doubt? You talk about patience. Jesus was constantly having to, to shape and mold Peter to knock him back down. A prime example of that would be um, the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter was a type of guy who would often say things without thinking. If you look on the Mount of Transfiguration, when he takes Peter, James, and John up on the mountain with him, and Elijah and Moses are there, what does Peter say? It is good. You know, they didn't know what to say. They're terrified. But of course, Peter had to speak up. He said, it is good that we are here. Let us make a, um, a tent for Moses you and Elijah. So in his mind, he's thinking, it's good that I'm speaking up and I'm saying something like this. But what he was saying right then, he he was at fault because he's saying these three guys are on the same level. You know, so we're going to elevate Elijah and Moses up to the same level as Jesus. You know, so I think it's encouraging for us to know that these great leaders of the Bible, even though they did a great work, there were still areas that they struggled with. And they, they were still, they would often say things without thinking. I think another thing that is encouraging for us when we talk about Peter is, I mean, I'm sorry, about Paul, is you look where he started. He was the man who was standing there while the other Jews were stoning Stephen. Right? He, he held the coats for the people that were stoning Stephen. He was on his way to capture more Christians on the road to Damascus when Jesus turned his life around. Another thing about Paul, and I, I just found this out not too long ago, and I thought it was something that, that was very interesting, I'll say, and, and it was very encouraging, I think. Um, when you talk about Paul, he was often he was stoned several times to the point of death. He was beaten with sticks. He had broken bones, cuts, bruises. Um, and one thing we want to look at here is, let's see, um, it talks about Luke. It uh, talks about Paul's injuries must have been horrible if a crowd, um, you know, hurt him so badly that they thought he was dead. Okay, so just after this, Paul and his companions made their way to Derby, likely one of the churches... Uh, which he wrote in Galatians. In Galatians 4, Paul says that he visited them for the first time because of his bodily condition. That put them to the test. So you see, he was probably pretty banged up. You know, he was his his skull might have even been crushed in a little bit, if you think about it, because these people stoning him to the point that they thought he was dead. I mean, it, it, it really makes you wonder if maybe part of his skull was maybe dent in, dented in. Um you know, I mean, who knows? I, I don't know. I don't know that to be true. But another thing about Paul is he, he was given kind of a comical description. Um, Paul is, is set in, in um, I was reading up on this the other day, and there's a text called the Acts of Paul, and I, I guess it's pronounced Thecla, T-H-E-C-L-A, and it gives you a kind of a description of what Paul 
uh, maybe he looked like. It said he was a small man in size. He was bald-headed, bow-legged, stocky, with a unibrow, and long, and it had a long nose. Okay, so this is not really somebody that you would consider if you saw him a superstar for Christ, right? And I, and if we look over in, um, uh, let's see, Colossians. No, I'm sorry, Corinthians. If we look in Second Corinthians, we're going to see another thing that I came across the other day that was, I just thought it was kind of funny. Um, let's see, if we look in. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10 says, For they say his letters are weighty. They're talking about, uh, he's talking about himself here. For they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. So Paul was not necessarily a, power, a powerful speaker like um, someone like Peter was, but his words were very heavy in, in his writing. That's what we see here. And so I think that also should give us encouragement as leaders today because we see Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, he was not somebody who was a great public speaker. He wasn't somebody that was necessarily a good-looking uh, a man who kind of embodied what we would imagine someone... Like if, if, if I was to... Before I kind of did a little study on this to about Paul, his appearance... I would not have imagined any of those things. You don't think about some of this stuff. At least for me, I don't. I don't think about some of this stuff like what do these guys possibly look like or this or that. But I think that's it's encouraging to think about because if you see his personal appearance, there was nothing special about him. That's what the Bible tells us. In his, and the people were kind of making fun of him here in Second Corinthians chapter 10. He's having to basically defend his ministry because they're like, basically what they're saying is like, this is the guy who wrote these letters when he comes up, and he's not very—he's not an opposing um, character showing up in front of you. He doesn't look like somebody who could write such words that are going to cut to the heart, like Paul writes in in Romans. He doesn't—he doesn't embody what somebody would think that somebody who could pen those words would look like. I think that's very encouraging for us because it shows us, like I said before. Christ can use any of us if we're willing to submit, just like Paul did, just like Peter did, just like these other great heroes of the faith. They were willing to submit and give everything to Christ and say, I'm going to use what talents that you've given me, what um, unique abilities that you have blessed me with. I'm going to use them to the, be to the best that I possibly can. And then it's up to you, Christ, what happens after that. So that's all that I have for today. Um, I just kind of wanted to highlight those two guys because they are they were such leaders in the early church and I just think it's very important that we don't overlook some of these scriptures that when that we kind of take our time with it and really kind of do our homework to dig into it to understand what they're saying kind of understand the context the personality behind these guys because to understand that these were just regular men just like us i think that is that's we tend to put these guys on a pedestal when really the only difference is they were willing to to just wholeheartedly submit and be used however christ wanted them to peter left his nets and follow Jesus right away. And that is what Christ is calling us to do today. So I'm just going to leave you with that. 
and hopefully this this was an encouragement to you out there today. But like I said last time, I'd be missing an opportunity if I didn't say this. Um, Jesus died on the cross for each and every one of us out there today. Like I've said before, he left the 99 to find the one. And you might be out there today and saying, you know, yeah, maybe you might think that's possible for you, but you don't know what I've done in my past. Jesus doesn't care what you've done in your past. Once you repent and give that to him, he does not bring that back up again. He does not, if we repent to him, he does not hold the past mistakes against us. When Christ, when, when God looks at us, once we repent, Jesus covers us with the shedding of his blood. So when Christ looks at, when God the Father looks at us, he doesn't look at those past mistakes. He sees his son because Jesus paid that ultimate price, took all of our sins on him. So when God the Father looks at us, he sees the son. So you're never far enough away from God that you cannot confess your sins and come back to him. Everyone always has something in their life that they're not proud of. Peter denied Jesus three times. Peter oftentimes ran his mouth in ways that he shouldn't have, and there was repercussions for that. Paul was killing Christians. He was parading them about naked in the streets. Basically, some of these people making fun of them. He was killing them. He was capturing them. But then what does he say? I can't remember the exact um, reference off the top of my head, but he says basically, I was I was formed in the womb. Jesus knew what I was going to be doing for him, you know, before I was even born. That's basically, I'm paraphrasing. But despite the fact that he was killing Christians, he knew what God had made him for and the impact that he can make because he had that past where he could say, yes, I know this is what I used to do, but I'm a new creation through Christ. So if you're out there today and you think that I've done too much where I cannot receive the love of Christ, it's just not true. Jesus loves each and every one of you out there today, and he wants the best for you, and he wants you to come home to him. So like I said, if you're out there today and you've never prayed for the gift of salvation before, I'll just say this, for, um, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's faith. It's not of ourselves. We cannot do anything good enough to attain grace on our own merit. It is through the, the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. So if you're out there today and, and you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, all you have to do is say this simple prayer. It's not the prayer that gets you into heaven, but it is that faith and trust and belief in Jesus Christ that what he did for us is actually what he did. So if you want to just say this prayer with me today, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that the only way that I'm going to be able to get to heaven with you, the only way that I can um, have you into my heart is to, is just simply ask. So Lord, I'm asking you today to come into my heart and to save me, to rule my life, to forgive me of my sins and to make me a new creation in you. That's as simple as it. That's as simple as it is. That's all you got to say. You don't even have to say those exact words, but just something along those lines. And if that is something that you've done today, congratulations. And if you would like to, if you've said that prayer today, I, I want to. I would love to hear from you. I, I'm on Instagram. All you got to do is look up Call to Act podcast. It's all one word. I'd love to hear your story. I'd love to hear some feedback. And if this was an encouragement to you today, I encourage you to um, share with others, maybe somebody that you know listens to podcast. And until next time, Lord willing, we'll be here doing the same thing next week. God bless. Mm-hmm.